Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Randy Emerson of Freedom House San Jacinto in a message entitled, Time of Crushing. Enjoy this message. Amen. How you doing? I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, amen. You guys can take a seat. I'm really excited to be here you know, thank you, Pastor Omar. Uh, all your staff has been so good and kind to me. And uh, I know a lot of you, some of you don't know who I am. And so uh, hopefully you don't reject me. But uh, I, I have been uh, in touch with your, fellow, your, your fellowship before you were a fellowship for a long time. Uh, Diga. Diga was uh, instrumental. I had a young adult ministry called Greenhouse. Uh, many years ago, uh, close to, I don't know, 19 years ago. And uh, I'm, I'm doing that ministry and all of a sudden the young adults start freaking out and demons and manifesting. And uh, I was blessed because Diga heard about it and he showed up and I said, thank you, Lord, right? And he taught me a lot. Even back then, he taught me a lot and he, he really sowed into to my ministry and helped me. Uh, Pastor Eddie Vargas, I don't know if, you're, if you know this, but we went to Africa together and we wrestled white tigers together. We, we did, and they were babies, but you know, it doesn't. All I'm saying is you probably never wrestled a baby tiger, okay? But we did, and it was a lot of fun. And Pastor Mondo, he tried to sell me coffee. So uh, uh, some of you might know that one. Um, Pastor Omar has been such a blessing to us, just as my wife said. Uh, we've been celebrating with you guys uh, online, obviously, but we've been celebrating uh, you guys. Uh, uh, imagine that, guys, a fellowship birthed in a fellowship. That's, that's the kingdom of God. Amen. And so we just celebrate with you. We're so excited, and, uh, and I'm thankful to be here. Amen. Uh, I'm going to open up in prayer, and uh, I'm going to preach on forgiveness tonight just kidding but it's it's in there very powerfully but i know it'll be different but let's pray father we just we thank you for tonight thank you for this awesome opportunity just to be with with other people of god lord outside of our city and, and to be here and celebrate with reach and all that you're doing with them and i just pray lord that the holy spirit would reach into this place into our minds, into our hearts, God, and that you would have all the authority and all the dominion. And God, I really just pray that you just cancel me. Cancel me as the speaker. And Holy Spirit, I pray you just use me as a vessel to, to love on your people and to encourage them tonight that you are reaching for us and you are looking for us. And we are grateful for that, God. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for this extra water. I got nervous. I, I was water preserving, you know. I was like, are these for Smurfs? What's going on? I, I felt like a big guy, but I feel like a really big guy. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I want to begin to share with you guys uh, just a little bit from John chapter 21. I'm just gonna kind of walk through it, but I really just wanted to, to minister tonight an encouraging word. Is that all right? 
something encouraging and it might help you, something that I, I've personally been through, and that's really a, a time of crushing. So God, uh, uh, God reached out to me a couple of years ago, and, uh, and he told me to do a 40-day uh, water-only fast. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's, it's not something I chose to do. It's not something I wanted to do necessarily, but God told me to do it. And so I was faithful in that, and I went through that fast. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but, but if you think about doing a 40-day water-only fast, you start to think that, that you're, you're going to see visions, right? I mean, I mean it's going to be a Holy Ghost 40 days, right? And, and God's going to tell you a lot of stuff about a lot of other people. He's going to reveal the sin in this person's life. And, you know, he's going to tell you about the, the future of this person, you know. And, and I really thought, okay, I'm going to sit here for 40 days of this chair. And when I get out of this chair, I'm going to know so much about everyone else. That's not what God did. He, he sat me in a chair and he slammed a mirror in front of me. And for 40 days, he peeled me like an onion. I mean, that's the reality. I sat in a chair in my backyard, it was like the chair. And, and every morning, my wife, you know, uh, towards the end would have to walk me to the chair. It was like the green mile, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, she's walking me to the chair. And, you know, I lost 75 pounds in that 40 days. I didn't know I was that full of myself. But God destroyed me. And, and, and I want to talk about that because there's a difference between destroyed and dismantled. And I really felt like at the end of that 40 days, God had destroyed me. He, he pilled me so hard that all my delusions about me, all my, my perceptions and concepts and thinking and what I thought I was and who God was, and, and he pilled that all away from me till that last 40 day, I'm sitting there and I'm just like a pile of dust in that chair. Amen. I, I'm nothing. And, and I think, okay, this is the end. You know, I'm I'm done. And he didn't destroy me. He did it. What he was doing was he was dismantling me. And here's the difference. If you own a gun, you're going to dismantle your gun at some point, And you're going to do that in order to clean the gun. And after you clean it, you're going to oil the gun. And then you're going to put that gun back together. And now that gun is what? It's a lot more accurate. It's a lot more powerful. And it's going to last a lot longer in any rust or residue that's in there. See, God knew that he needed a gun. Amen. And so he took me and, and I wasn't ready because I was too full of myself. And, and I was a pastor for 12 years, 13 years at that point. And I loved people and I loved God and I was trying my best, but God had to reveal to me that, that there was more. And, and he crushed me and he broke me and I'm down and I'm thinking, this is it. And God said, no, no, now I'm, now you're ready. Now you're ready. See, there's always a purpose in the crushing. There's always a purpose to the pressure. There's, there's always a purpose why God will allow you to go through some things. God will allow you to make mistakes. He'll let you make some bad ones because his whole purpose is that he can rebuild you and you can learn from it. So I want to I use that to, to piggyback into talking about Peter. And I don't want to talk about the Peter that, you know, Peter that, that, you know, walked on water with Jesus, right? I'm not going to talk about the Peter that at one point was going to preach the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. 
right? The, the Peter that defended Jesus and chopped off the guy's ear. The Peter that recognized that Jesus was God before everybody else, that he was the son of God, right? I mean, this, this, is, this Peter, there's a lot of cool things about Peter, but I wanna talk to you tonight about the crushed Peter. I wanna talk to you about the brokenhearted Peter. The Peter that's gone back to fishing. The Peter that denied Jesus, but he didn't just deny Jesus once, he denied him three times. Not only did he deny him three times, but he had promised Jesus that he never would. He said, I'll never never leave you, I'm here, I got your back. I mean, he chopped a guy's ear off. That sounds like a guy that's got his pastor's back, right? And yet when the time came, he denies him He promised he wouldn't. He denies him three times over. And at this point in the story, Jesus has now risen from the dead. But Peter is not running, right, to to find Christ. He, He did go. He saw the empty tomb. You would think that would, you know, do something for him. But but then I think he's full of shame. He's full of brokenness. He's made some mistakes. In fact, he lost his second chance. Think about this with me. You know, back in that time period, the time period of antiquity, you know, your parents wanted you to be a rabbi. I mean, that was really what they wanted for you. Those were the the, the utmost in society, right? Uh, The the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rabbis. That's what parents wanted, and they they would push you into that. But Peter obviously didn't make the cut because Peter ended up being a fisherman. Oh, come on, somebody. See, this is why. See, didn't you ever wonder why when Jesus walks by, right? I mean, think about it. You own a fishing business, and Jesus walks by and says, follow me, and you just leave your business? I wish it worked like that. Amen. Can you imagine the outreaches? You'd all show up at outreach, right? Hello, follow me. Okay, right? The reason that this had power was here is a rabbi that's coming by your life and saying, hey, you didn't didn't make the cut, but if you follow me, see? And there was something in Peter, I'm sure of it, that Peter thought, oh my gosh, right? Here's my second chance. I'm not a nobody. There's something for me. I I can be somebody, right? And and he drops those nets and he walks with Jesus. And and for three years, he believes everything Jesus says. He's seeing miracle after miracle. He walks on water. You know, uh, there's something in Peter that, wow, I've made it, right? I'm not a nobody. There's something for me. And then it doesn't work out the way that he wanted it to. It goes very sour. They kill the man he's following. He's confused. He he ends up doing the very thing he promised he would never do. And so here he runs off. He runs back because I lost my second chance. I don't know where you're at tonight, but there might be somebody that feels that way. Somebody feels that way, right? I I don't know, man. I've done a lot of a lot a lot of bad things. I've made a lot of mistakes and and, and maybe your Christianity isn't working out the way you wanted it to. Come on, somebody. Why? Sometimes we believe, we think, well, I'm going to come to Christ and, and, and I'm going to go to church and just get cotton candy, right? And, and life's going to be perfect and, 
and Disneyland passes, you know? I mean, just everything's gonna be great. My wife, she's gonna be an angel now, right? My husband, he's actually gonna clean the dishes, you know what I mean? This, and then we get saved and, and what? Reality hits. And, and things happen and trials still come and problems still happen. And we pray for things and sometimes God doesn't answer it. Or he doesn't answer it the way you want him to answer it. And so because it's not working out the way we want it to, many times like Peter, we end up kind of slipping back. And maybe you're still sitting here, but your mind and your heart are beginning to slip back. And say, it's not going the way I thought it would go. It doesn't look the way I thought it would look, I don't know about all this. And, and we begin to, to slip into the dark, right? That's Peter. That's where he's at. John uh, chapter 21, I think it's verse 3. It says, look at this. It says, Simon Peter said to them. Now, remember, I gave you all the context. Simon Peter says, I am going fishing. Here's what's crazy about that. Peter hasn't been fishing for three years. Peter was fishing because he was a fisher of fish, but then Jesus comes along and says, Peter, you're no longer a fisher of fish. I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. Oh, I love you guys. See, sometimes my my church thinks it's a trick question. I'm like, who's the son of God? They're like, it's not a trick question. He was a fisher of fish, but God changed him into a fisher of men. Hallelujah. Get that in your spirit. Because here's Peter, and he says what? He says, I'm going fishing, but he hasn't fished for three years. He's going back to what he used to do. He's going back to what he used to be. Now, here's what's cool. Look what happens. It says they do this. The disciples go with them. But then it says they caught nothing. Now, these are professional fishermen. You don't think they could have caught something? Let me tell you why they didn't catch anything. They didn't catch anything because Jesus didn't allow them to catch anything. Because P- Jesus was already reminding Peter, you're no longer a fisher of fish. I made you a fisher of men. You can go back and try to catch some fish. You can go back to what you used to do. You could try to go back to what you used to be. You could try to go back to Egypt. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to catch those fish because I didn't call you to be that. I changed you, Peter, and now you are a fisher of men. Have you ever, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm an honest preacher, amen? When, when I preach, I'm not preaching at you. I'm wrestling through this myself, and I'm inviting you on a journey with me. I mean, that's how I preach it. Have you ever, have you ever, I mean, tried to go back to sin? How'd that work out for you? Right? I mean, you're up in the nightclub. Oh, you guys, you're like. And what? God is, you hear the Holy Spirit. You don't belong here. I still see you. Can you just give me one night, right? You notice that? Why? Because God won't let you go back to the fish. He's not going to let you go backward. He didn't create you for that. He didn't change you for that. And so he doesn't let Peter. Now, how do I know Jesus did this? Because Jesus is here. 
And it says what? Then Jesus tells them, throw the nets on the other side. And then they catch fish. Really? 153 fish? Six feet over, you couldn't catch, you're a professional fisherman, you couldn't catch fish? No, it's because Jesus wouldn't let them catch fish. And what Jesus is showing them is, look, Peter, until you come to me and until you walk with me and until you allow me to be a part of the equation, Peter, you're never going to be happy doing what you used to do. I've got something new. Now, look at this. They realize that it's the Lord. Now, look, look what Peter does. It says this, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped this, this word is gumnos. It means he was basically naked. It says he put on his clothes for work and he threw himself into the sea. Well, that's a welcome home, right? Here's what's crazy about this. See, Jesus has seen Peter naked. You know how I know that? Because he found him as what? A fisherman. See, when, fish, when they fished back then, you know, remember, they weren't wearing what we're wearing. They were wearing robes. Right? You didn't fish with that robe on because it would get wet and heavy. So they would take it off. They would wear a loincloth. That's what it's referencing. When Jesus met Peter, Peter was naked. But now that Jesus has come back and Peter is brokenhearted and full of shame and feeling like he's done God wrong in condemnation, suddenly he doesn't want Jesus to see him naked. Oh, we do that. How many times have you tried to hide what's going on with you from God? And you think that he can't see you because you're hiding. Oh, come on now. You think, well, if I don't go to church, he won't see me. Nah, he's sitting there right there with you in your bathroom, homie, right? He's right there. He's still with you. He's seen Peter naked. Now, now then it says he throws himself into the sea. Well, if you study biblical things, but the sea always represented people. The sea means people. It's always people in the Bible, prophetically, symbolically. It's people. So not only does he try to hide from God by covering himself, but then he slips into the sea of people. Oh, come on now. Let me tell you something. The greatest place to hide is church. If you don't think so, Satan goes to more church services than you do. Oh, he loves to hide in church. Jezebel didn't destroy church. She changed it. The devil's not afraid of us having church. He's afraid of us having proper church. Amen. If the devil will hide in church, we will hide in church. Come on now. And he tries to hide amongst the people. Let me tell you why, church. It's not, it's, Peter's not a bad guy. You're not a bad person. I'm not saying we're not sinful. But what I'm saying is condemnation has no place in the house of God. No place. But here, here's the problem. Peter saw the empty tomb. But the empty tomb doesn't erase the sound of the rooster. Think about that with me. How many times does the enemy throw in your face the sound of the rooster? All your mistakes, all the things you've done that are wrong, your slip up yesterday, right? 
when someone cut you off on the freeway. The sound of the rooster, and it comes every morning for you. Amen? The sound of the rooster, the sound of your past, the sound of who you used to be, the sound of what people think about you. The sound of condemnation comes for you, and this rooster crows, and we can come here, and and we can lift up our hands and say the tomb is empty, but it doesn't erase the sound of the rooster. Peter is hearing this rooster. Now, why it's crazy is it says this is at daybreak. Guess what crows at daybreak? The rooster. It's not a trick question, see? I don't even know if I've ever given a trick question. The rooster crows at daybreak. Here's what's interesting. See, this is what I believe. Jesus is showing up to restore Peter, but the rooster at the same time is making a lot of noise. And Peter can't see Jesus because all he can hear is the sound of the rooster. And the enemy that came for him, see, Didn't Satan ask Jesus, he said what? I want to sift Peter like wheat. And so guess what? I I have a huge imagination, you know? I mean, I'm picturing Peter, he throws on the robe, he jumps into the, the sea, and here's Jesus. He's looking to see what Jesus is doing, and he's on one shore, but on the other shore is Satan. And he's jumping up and down, and he's all happy, right? I sifted you like wheat, right? I won, I broke you, Peter. I, I, I sent you back to what you used to be, right? He's mocking Jesus. He's mocking Peter. You know, he, even Satan's probably thinking, yeah, you know, I messed him up so good. Here's Jesus to punish him, right? To yell at him, to condemn him, maybe fry him. And, and he's so pumped watching this scenario. I sifted him like wheat. But you know what I love? is Jesus' response. Look at verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. He makes them breakfast. I don't know about you, but is that what you would do? Don't lie. Don't prophesy up in the church. (laughs) Not I, Pastor Randy. I am a professional forgiver. Pastor Omar preached on forgiveness, and I took that. <laughs> we probably wouldn't do that. But here's Jesus. Hey, Peter, you know how you denied me? Yeah, that's why I'm in the water. Come have breakfast. Come sit with me a while, Peter. It says he's making them bread, and, and he's making them fish. It says he took the bread and he gave it to them and and so with the fish. You know what's so crazy? See, Satan said, Jesus, I want to sift Peter like wheat. And now Peter is sitting there and as the devil is thinking, that's right, I sifted you like wheat. Jesus, the son of God, the creator of the universe, takes that wheat and he feeds it. Now he's eating bread from the hand of the living God. When the enemy meant to break him, 
When the enemy means to break you, I'm telling you, all you have to do is look for Jesus again and again and come to him and he will take that very bread that the devil meant for evil and he'll use it for good and he'll place that manna right in your mouth. Here's the problem with manna is we don't know what it is. Do you know what manna means? It's not a trick question. Manna, see, God, now look, read the Bible. God didn't name manna, manna. Read it. They named it manna. But manna means, what is this? That's what it means. You imagine being God, right? Hey, you rebellious generation, I'm going to make you breakfast every morning. Man, that's always God's response. See, when the prodigal son, right, when the prodigal son came home, what did they do? They made him dinner. He didn't get breakfast. He got carne asada. (laughs) Right? Fatted calf. There's a time when Elijah runs from Jezebel, right? He's so disobedient from God. You know what God does? Bakes him a cake. Go read. He literally bakes. We just... My son just celebrated a birthday. We just bought him a cake, I think, from Stater Brothers. It was a good cake. I highly doubt it was as good as the cake that Jesus baked, amen? I mean, that's how good our God is. But see, the problem is sometimes when God feeds us and answers us, we take that thing and say, what is this? What is this? What is this? No, this doesn't look like what I wanted it to, God. This, this is, I won't get too crazy up in here. You ever bought your kids something for Christmas that they begged you for? Right, I mean, they begged you and cried and whined every time you're at the store. And, and now with technology, right? our kids are sending us screenshots every day. It's like, it's June, you know what I mean? We're, they want it. And then you get it for them. And you're so pumped. And, and they open it. And they, they open it. And they're, oh. And three hours later, you just kind of know. They're never touching that thing again. And I want to go into that room and pick it up. Oh, never mind. Can you imagine being God? And he feeds us. But we say, well, well, I, I had it, but now I'm, I'm going to look for something else. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm, I'm trying to relate that this is us, right? This is me. Because if we, if we can do that, then, then not only can we take that, but then we can take the blessing in this story. If we're willing to be honest, then, then the rest of this will really bless us. But if we say, no, 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 that's not me then you're, you're giving up a lot because it's always in humility. It's always in brokenness. What does it say? Is it Psalms 34, 18? It says that he is close to the brokenhearted, right? And he heals the crushed in spirit. When God crushed me, I was broken, but he did it to heal me, and to love me. He crushed me in order to, to rebuild me. That's what my God does. Look at Psalms 23, 5. 
real quickly, I want to show you something. And then I'm going to begin my sermon. Praise the Lord. Look at Psalms 23. I love this, 23.5. Notice what this says in light of what we're talking about. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that what he just did for Peter? Here's Satan that has thought he destroyed Peter, but God allowed a dismantling because he was gonna use Peter, right? And he thinks that he won. And here comes Jesus and he makes breakfast in the presence of Peter's enemy. Now look, look at this. It says, now look what he says next. You anoint my head with oil and my cup, it overflows. I had to touch on that because it just fits too well. See, here's the thing about a shepherd. When, when shepherds would go into new territory, they cared about their sheep, so they would survey the land. They would walk that land. And they would look for snake holes, these, these snakes called adders. There's a hole right here, right? They're, they would look for adder snakes. Because here's the thing, an adder snake, the sheep, right? Sheep are curious, and they'll go, they'll go smell anything, right? So they would go, and they'd put their, and we do that, and they'd put their nose in there, and the adder snake come out, and it would bite the sheep on the nose, and it would get an infection, and then die. So what the shepherd would do, this is so cool, David's a shepherd, he wrote this. He, this is what he's referencing. You anoint my head with oil. See, what they would do is the shepherd would take oil with an incense in it that the snakes don't like, and they'd pour it in the hole, but then they would take it and they would wipe it down the face of the sheep and all in their nose. They did that to protect the sheep. So that when the sheep went, the snake wouldn't bite them. See, I love it because here's an adder snake on the shore and he's coming and he's trying to bite Peter again, but he doesn't understand that Peter's having breakfast with the shepherd and not only is he feeding him and building a table in the presence of his enemy, but he's anointing his head with oil. And then I just have to touch on this. My cup overflows. You ever had people over to your house Come over for dinner, it's nine o'clock, everything's cool. 10 o'clock, you're like, all right. <laughs> 11 o'clock, 11.35, you're making comments like, I gotta get up early for work. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> you're like, I don't know, how do I get these people out of my house? In this, in this time, they had, they had a culture. See, if, if, you, if that was you and they were at your house and you wanted them to leave, you would quit filling their cup. If you wanted them to stay, you'd keep filling the cup. This was cultural. So you kind of knew, right? Like I've been talking for 10 minutes. They haven't filled my cup again. Hey, baby, I think it's time to go. That was how they did it. You know why that's amazing? Did you catch what he said about the cup? He said when he's with God eating, he says what? My cup overflows. 
we don't serve a God that wants to spend Sunday with us or Wednesday with us. We serve a God that follows you. When you leave tonight, I want you to picture God and he's following you with a picture. And he's saying, I know you're not coming back to Wednesday, but, but I didn't want you to leave. I, I, wanna, I want your cup to overflow. Every time you're here, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to stop. You know, everywhere you go with that cup, he's right there. Don't go. Come back. Sometimes in the kingdom of God, Sundays and Wednesdays are visiting day. We visit him. And he's running after you. Man, I got a whole picture, man. Would you just sit and have breakfast with me? I mean, I'll kill the fatted calf for you. I'll, I'll, I'll rain down manna from heaven. I don't care. Would you just sit with me a while and let me speak and love on you? Because I love you. God loves us. He loves us. Hallelujah. If we go back to John 21, let's look at verse 15. Because here's the blessing for us. Amen. I'm going to work on one of my seven endings. Hallelujah. No, seriously, no matter how long it takes me. Just kidding. Look what happens with Jesus and Peter. I'm going to paraphrase this. It's real simple. But go home and read it. Peter has denied Jesus three times. And Jesus comes and he makes him breakfast. Now you got to catch this. After breakfast, he says to Peter, essentially, Right? He says, Peter, remember when you denied me? Do you love me now? And Peter says what? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. In fact, if you read it, it says Peter is grieved. He's grieved. Maybe you're grieved in your spirit tonight. But Jesus is right here, right now, looking at you. And he's saying, hey, remember all those times? That the rooster crows. You say, yeah, I know. But do you love me? He's not asking you to be perfect. Jesus is perfect. On page 71 of Pastor Omar's new book, or new book, but his book, The Disciples Call, I've been reading it. I think I'm going to become a disciple real soon. It's, <laughs> it is a good book. Yeah. It's that good. Yeah. My, my, wife got, my wife read a chapter. She got saved, and I'm looking at becoming a disciple. Powerful book. On page 71, though, what he talks about excuses. Because he says, it's not about being perfect. God, you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. Really? Read the Bible. Have you read about half of these knuckleheads? I'm one of them. I always tell my church, excuses are the nails we use to build houses of failure. Don't build a house of failure because you feel condemned. Don't allow those excuses. That's a lie from the enemy. He's loud like the rooster. But see, that's what the Satan does. Satan makes you hear the rooster and you think, yeah, it's my past. You know, what, you know in the Bible what the rooster represents? It represents Christ. 
in biblical prophecy. Here's why. What does the rooster announce is coming? The light out of the dark. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. The light out of the... See, Satan's trying to tell you, right? That's what he's saying to you. He's saying, hey, look, here's all your sin. But that rooster is saying, out of the darkness of your past, when you were just a fisher of fish, there was a man named Jesus that came into your life, and he is the light of men, and the light shined, and the darkness comprehended it not. Because he's greater than the darkness. Let me tell you how powerful light is. You ever go to your house tonight and flip the light switch on and tell me if there's a fight? Do you flip the light switch on and then have to watch the dark and the light have a fight to see who wins? No. You know how powerful light is? In the military, on a ship, a naval ship, 100 miles out, you're not allowed at night to go out and smoke one cigarette. You know why? Because that little beam of light can be seen for hundreds of miles. Think about that with me. Surrounded by as much dark as you can. And that light shines and the darkness comprehends it not. If you're feeling like you're in a dark place, there's a light. There's a light. And this is what he does. He comes into your life and he says, remember all that, all the dark. Love me. Is that feed my sheep? Hey, hey, you know how you you, you denied me? Man, yes, Lord, I'm grieved. You know that. No, but but do you love me now? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Good. Hey, Peter, one more time. Talk about a God a second chance. He's a God that came back to Peter and said, Peter, you messed up three times, but I'm going to give you three times to erase it. Do you love me, Peter? You know I do. Good. Now, let's go build the church. Let's go build Bow your heads with me tonight. Praise the Lord. I, I felt so led. I, I've had this message in my heart for several weeks. God just reminding me of what he did in my fast. I, I ended up doing both. I did that fast twice. A year and a half later, I felt called to do it again, and I did it again. It was the most wonderful time, the most peaceful time that I could ever try to explain to you. But it's it's this breaking process. I've been I've just been wrestling with that, thinking about that, and thinking about God's kingdom and and people of God, and and how so often in that place, right, or or in that place of we can we can begin to believe the lies of the enemy 
really the only thing that Satan has against you is lying. He's just a loud mouth. It says on the cross that he was disarmed and he was publicly shamed. I shared this a long time ago, but I'm going to share this with you. You need to hear this. If you look up lions, I said to me and me and Pastor Eddie, we wrestled baby tigers, you know. If you look these tigers up, here's what's interesting. It says in the Bible that Satan is a roaring lion. You ever read that? But it says that Jesus, it calls Jesus a lion. But it doesn't call him a roaring lion. It calls Satan a roaring lion. Here's what's interesting. If you study it out. A young lion that's healthy and has all of its teeth doesn't roar. If an enemy comes into the pride or towards their kids or there's danger, that healthy, robust, strong, tooth-filled mouth, it just attacks. No warning sign. It attacks. Boom. No hesitation. The lions that are in the pride that are old and have lost their teeth. They roar. And the reason they roar is because it's all they got left. And they're trying to scare the attacker because they know they can't defend themselves. I want you to think about that with me when the Bible calls Jesus a lion, but it calls Satan a roaring lion. He's a loudmouth lion that has lost his teeth. I'm not saying he's not dangerous. He's a foe to us, amen. But he's dangerous because we believe him. He's not dangerous because he can actually do anything to you. He's dangerous because he gets you to do it to yourself. I told my church one time, I said, man, some of you are letting Satan gum you to death. Because he doesn't have any teeth. Stop listening to the rooster. And start listening to the shepherd that is sitting here tonight and making you breakfast. It's time for us to, to come and to eat with God. Maybe you're here tonight just for salvation. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight. I don't know everybody. Maybe you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus. Maybe you're visiting. Maybe you've been coming. But you're here and you'd say, you know what? I've never received Jesus into my heart. I've never repented of my sin. And I'm broken in that way. I don't even know Christ. But perhaps tonight you say, but I would like to. I would like to meet Jesus. I would like to surrender my life and repent of my sin and acknowledge what he did on the cross for me. If that's you, amen, I know we have altar workers. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking, would you you just come? Step of faith, would you just come to this altar? If that's you, I don't want to miss that. See, man, for the first time, I really, I need to know the Lord. Just come to this altar, and I know altar workers will come and just pray with you. Why don't you do that? Or maybe you're here tonight, and a little bit more like Peter. Maybe you'd say, you know what, man, I, I, I'm a, you know, we use that term backslider. I don't like that term. But essentially what we do, right, we, we go backward. Maybe tonight this sermon touched you because you've gone backward. And you would acknowledge that tonight and say, you know what, I need to come back. 
just want to give you that same opportunity. You don't have to raise your hand, but then you would just come. Just come. You know what to do. Come and kneel at this altar and say, I need to come back. I need to be back with the Lord just in case. Amen. We wanted to do that. Praise God. Give God some glory to Amen to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity tonight. If you're not not doing right, get right. You don't serve a God that doesn't love you. You don't serve a God that's trying to condemn you. You serve a God that loves you. You know what he's doing? He's making these precious people breakfast. He's making them breakfast. He's going to overflow their cup and he's going to love on them. I don't want to take too much more time, but what I want to do, I just want to open the altars. It's not even about me praying for you. Kind of what I'd like to do is for us to kind of picture that that this is the beach, this altar, right? This is the beach. Jesus is right here. He's he's making cake and asada, right? He's making a meal. And maybe you've just been struggling. Maybe you've been battling or struggling or lies and thoughts, right? Maybe you've been thinking, man, as things aren't going the way I thought, you know, I mean, what is going on here? And I want to give you an opportunity to come and sit with the shepherd. No matter whatever you're going through, maybe something else in the sermon touched you, but you want to just sit with the shepherd. Let's do that for a few moments. Let's sit on the beach. The altar's Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.